0: The Power Your Inner Runner podcast series is brought to you by Nike Running and Rebel. The best part is really just, you know, you're always racing yourself. It's such a measurable event,
1: so you can always try and challenge yourself, have personal bests on various training sessions or races yeah when I'm not super keen on it or you know the weather's a bit cold and wet in winter like spicing up the location doing different loops and things like that I think is a really good way to make it feel fresh and new and less kind of repetitive you're always wanting more wanting to achieve the next goal and so it's so easy to finish a championship and be like okay next time I want to do this I want to do that so this year I sort of tried really hard to kind of stop and celebrate and, and soak it all up welcome to the seize the yay podcast
0: Welcome to our final episode of the Power Your Inner Runner podcast series in partnership with Nike Running and Rebel. Gosh, that has gone so quickly. I feel so lucky to have been able to pick the brains of three amazing Nike athletes and Olympians on everyone's behalf. The tips and tricks they've shared have enhanced my training so much, which you've probably been able to see from the fast improvements that I've been sharing on socials, and I hope they've done the same for some of you. Whether you're a running beginner or a seasoned pro, they've jam-packed so much universal advice into these chats that will be invaluable in the lead up to Melbourne Marathon and beyond. But even if you're not interested in running in the least, I think all three of these women still have fascinating parthiers that are empowering, motivating, and just a joy to listen to. So we've heard from Katrina on mastering your mindset and Sinead on distance determination and defying the doubters, but I still have some pretty specific questions left around fuel. What and when does one eat and drink before, during and after a race? How lucky are we to have as our third and final guest Lyndon Hall, a 1500 meter Olympian, Nike athlete, and very conveniently for us, also a qualified dietitian who headed to America after high school to get the college experience at Florida State University. Today, we get into the guts of our guts. And again, in the few runs I've done since recording this episode, Lyndon has dramatically improved my running experience. As well as the practical stuff, we also hear how Lyndon went from being spellbound watching the Atlanta Olympics as a five-year-old to actually making it to the Olympics first in Rio and then again this year in Tokyo. It gave me goosebumps to hear Lyndon explain how it felt to actually qualify after dreaming of this moment since childhood and working so hard to become the fastest 1500 metre runner in Australian history. Even cooler, she got faster and faster in Tokyo From the heat to the semi final and then the overall final, where she finished in sixth place with a personal best. So, we also get some fabulous tips on improving speed and why you often don't do so by running your competition speed over and over, but by doing all kinds of other runs instead. Mind blown. As I've been recording these episodes, I've really been reminded of how powerful sport can be. I mean, I get so teary during the Olympics for the way it connects people, transcending language, culture, and geography. Even on a very local, personal level, I've been reminded how transformative sport can be, which is a big tenet of Rebels' Sport is Calling campaign. If you've been out of the sporting loop for a while, sport can be such an antidote to life's challenges, whether you have professional or competitive aspirations, or whether you don't. So I hope some of you here sport calling your name again and get motivated to move those bodies. Also, just a reminder in case anyone was worried, these episodes aren't sequential. So if you're only tuning in now, don't worry, each segment stands alone and you can listen to the episodes in whatever order you like. I hope you enjoy Lyndon as much as I did. Lyndon, welcome to the show. I'm so thrilled to have you here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's great to hang out. I've just been following your journey for so long, but particularly in Tokyo, running your PV, reuniting with your dog the <laughs> other day. It's so <laughs> lovely to actually sit down with you properly to chat.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's been a super fun last 12 months, especially obviously Tokyo, the Olympics is always, always the peak for sport. So it's really special that, you know, we got to actually get away with having the Olympics given, you know, the state of the world and what it looks like. I think it made it, you know, that much sweeter to get there when it was so up in the air for so long.
0: Absolutely. It was so special. I kind of was in that camp just beforehand of, Oh, like why are they even doing it? And all the poor athletes won't have audiences, but then I feel like the whole world pause to rally around everyone and it just brought us all so much joy just when you needed it most I can't imagine what it would have been like to actually be there
1: yeah I think despite there being no crowds you really felt the support from everyone in Australia and you felt like everyone was watching and I don't know I think everyone got creative with you know how to support the athletes and I guess we've got really good at adapting and being creative over the last you know two years now so you know everyone's been training for it almost like you know just like us athletes so yeah it was really cool (laughs) and the Australian team you know our Other athletes were obviously allowed to come out and watch at the track, which I think Australia was like the only country that had their whole team coming out every night with like handmade signs with like terrible puns about everyone's last names. And (laughs) we had drums, and like, you know, we were the only people who got cheered for on the start line. And that was so special to feel like you had your teammates
0: there watching you. Oh my gosh. I have goosebumps from that just thinking, like, I love Australia. We are the greatest. Like, hearing your teammates cheering for you and you got faster and faster like this is why I'm so excited to have you here today because that's been one of the main questions is pace and like how do you and how do you support your running so today's theme is refuel replenish and recharge and I'm so thrilled that you also just happen to have studied dietetics so that's wonderful you multi-talented little (laughs) champion But what I thought we would start with is just a couple of intro questions and then we'll sort of run through your career to this point so everyone knows what your running journey has been like and then maybe we'll jump into some of the audience questions. So to begin with, where do you sit in the running landscape? What is your ideal distance? Obviously in the Olympics you're a superstar 1500 metre runner. Do you like longer runs too or shorter runs? You know, Where's your space? I love the track. So if it's shorter,
1: faster if it's gonna make you throw up, like I'm all about it. I think I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, a little bit like violent or something on the inside. Just, you know, love that element of training because it's the closest to racing, I guess. And it's just really pushing the limits. And then, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, your easier runs are social and, you know, more about recovery. So they're not, you know, chasing your goals as much. So I think they have a really different purpose. And so yeah, I I love just challenging myself because probably you know that real speed work I'm probably not as good at and it's a little bit newer to my training repertoire so I feel like I've got more room to improve but yeah there's something something fun about putting on your spikes and and trying to run as fast as you possibly can until you sort of you know just end up laying dead on the track I probably sound like an absolute crazy person and, and I know convincing I'm like okay. anyone to take up running <laughs> at all but I can totally relate to the whole like starting you know, a new runner at the moment because I've just come off two weeks hotel quarantine where obviously I wasn't running and starting to run again. I did like a 30-minute jog which shouldn't, you know in my normal training regime is, is not not much of a run one of the shorter ones I get to do and oh my god the next day I thought I'd been hit by a bus so I understand and I'm like oh my god this is why people don't like running it really hurts um, so I'm slowly getting there and you know the muscles are remembering how to run but yeah I kind of get it now
0: <laughs> I understand why people well, I think, think this I'm is- crazy. But we've actually got you at the perfect time because you have sort of had to really take a pause from moving your body really at all because you've you know been stuck in a room. So it's actually awesome to sort of catch you at this time where you're rebuilding from scratch because that is like the really relatable part of running that you do have to kind of keep it up to actually keep that level of fitness. So the other two intro questions for the kind of either skeptical runner or the like hesitant or maybe fearful runner because a lot of people are kind of scared of the whole idea and it's the most democratic and beautiful thing to do but I think until you know that you know you need someone to just give you a little push so what is your absolute favorite part of running and what is the hardest part of running but how you combat that
1: yeah I think for me the best part is really just you know you're always racing yourself it's such a measurable event so you can always try and yeah challenge yourself you know have personal bests on various training sessions or races or gym workouts or things like that and it's so individual and you can you know kind of always be chasing your own goals you know I think in team sports you sort of don't have that because you're you know it's a bit you know you're like oh yeah I had really good number of kicks today or something I don't know like,
0: those, <laughs> those kind of stats but you know I'm like do you even watch other sports <laughs> Yes, I do. Sometimes.
1: but you know I love that it's it's kind of all about you and you can I know I'm a bit of a control freak so I think you just have so much control over yeah what you're putting in and then it's really measurable which I I love because it's great to be able to see those improvements whether it be you know in the gym or on the track or just you know being able to run further than you have before and like survive
0: I found that as well as like a, a a brand newbie in fact I used to be an anti-runner I really thought I you know there were runners and there were non-runners but I realized like actually it's so democratic because you're really just running against yourself and using like the Nike running app to see I started maybe two years ago and comparing like my times and distances because it's all sort of in one place and being like I actually have gotten faster and further Dramatically, it's so satisfying. Like, it's such a rewarding thing to do. Yeah. So,
1: it's, I, I love that because, yeah, you have so much control and just kind of bettering yourself, which is really cool. I guess the most challenging part for me is, or well, I guess like the least favorite part of training is probably our Sunday long run, which is, you know, probably shown its face on any kind of first time marathon training program for anyone out there. And yeah, I just find it really long. I get tired. It's, it's Sunday, it's the end of the week. So, you know, you're doing it on tired legs usually. So it's a lot further than 1,500 metres as well. And people are always like, why do you have to run that, you know, for 22K on a Sunday? Like you only race 1,500 metres. And I was like, I wish I didn't have to, honestly. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it's kind of part of the package. And um, the kind of great thing about that is, you know, every runner from really 800 metres up to the marathon does a Sunday long run. So it's such a social occasion and so many runners in Melbourne you know we have a great running community in Melbourne and you know so many people who who won't train together throughout the week for their, for their main training but will happily come together for a Sunday run and everyone kind of works in together and it's really fun because you catch up with people you make it social and it's the weekend people have got time to go for coffee and brunch afterwards so yeah I think it's For that Sunday long run for me, it's making it social, making sure I'm going with a friend, you know, having plans for coffee afterwards is a bit of a reward for getting through the week and mixing up the location as well. Like, I mean, I know I fall into the routine, a lot of just going to the same place, but yeah, when I'm not super keen on it or, you know, the weather's a bit, you know, cold and wet in winter, like spicing up the location, doing different loops and and things like that, I think is a really good way to you know, make it feel fresh and new and less kind of repetitive because running is a pretty repetitive sport.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But this is something that I've actually only just really started to understand because I've only just started to do kind of longer distances is that I – kind of hit this plateau where once I master a certain distance, and by master I mean like as in I don't die halfway through, Oh, I do die, but but like I can actually finish it, it's that to get faster you can't just repeat it over and over again. So like a 1500 runner like you, you don't just do 1500 over and over again and hope that you get faster. And one of the biggest questions we've had is how do you, once you do plateau at a certain time and pace, like how do you get faster? And I'm so excited to get into that with you because the fact that you do have to do a 22-kilometer run for a 1500 race, is so interesting. So, cannot wait to get into that with you. But first, can we go through what I call your way to yay or your path yay, which is just explaining how you got into running? Because I think that also helps everyone understand where your background is and where all your knowledge, particularly around refueling, comes from. Because you know, you d- you have studied dietetics as well and how that's kind of worked into your career. So take us back to very young Lyndon, Penlioness and Essendon Grandma, watching the Atlanta Olympics. Like what was your pathway into running uh, and yeah, what led you here?
1: Yeah, so we're gonna go a really long way back. So I feel like I mean I mean, maybe I'm just old now or something, the story's getting longer <laughs> and longer. But I guess I kind of like I loved sports when I was little and you know, always you know, had three or four sports on the go and, you know, at school or outside of school and, you know, netball and swimming and things like that. And I, I probably thought I was going to be a swimmer.
0: That's really interesting. Yeah, that's it's
1: a terrible idea.
0: Multi-talented, like I'm I said. Bad. I just
1: thought I was. <laughs> I now associate swimming with injuries, so I really don't like it. Yeah, so I was always pretty active and, and things like that. And in primary school, I've made state championships for athletics and for swimming. And, you you got like a T-shirt that said, you know, state championships, 2003 or whatever <laughs> it was. And I really wanted the cross-country one to kind of like complete the set. So that was like my big incentive to make make state cross-country. So I grew up about an hour from Melbourne. Uh, so we went to Bendigo for our sort of zone cross-country event. Oh, my God. And so I think I, think I would a bit lucky because you know, there's not, not quite as much, I guess, probably depth as, you know, in the city, maybe there's less kids that, you know, maybe getting that state cross country t-shirt was a little bit more attainable perhaps.
0: (laughs) You are being far too humble. I'm (laughs) sure you were just an amazing runner (laughs) as we have since discovered.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So grade six, you know, 12 year old Lyndon made state cross country championships. And like, obviously I was pretty nervous and you know, we're driving down. It's about an hour drive to Melbourne. You know, the closer we get, the more nervous I get. And I sort of start reading through the paperwork and I'm telling mum, I'm like, oh, how cool is this? Like, if you come top five, you get to go to Queensland for nationals. And, you know, mum's like, oh, you know, there's lots of girls, you know, they're really good. Just have fun, try your best, etc." And I'm like, but Queensland, like, how cool would that be? And then, you know, as I get nervous, I'm like, oh, mum, my shoes, they suck. Like, how am I supposed to make it to Queensland in these shoes? <laughs> you know, this is going to be your fault if I don't make it, kind of thing. Oh, totally, end of your life. Exactly. Right? Um, <laughs> and so, without really thinking a whole lot, Mum sort of said to me, oh, "Okay, like if you make it to Queensland, like we'll stop at Rebel on the way home and get you a new pair of shoes, like the best running shoes." So, like a few hours later, I was very smugly at Rebel Sport getting a new pair of shoes <laughs> because I managed to come second and got to go to national oh cross country. So that was kind of when I first, I don't know, was sort of like, oh, maybe I'm not so bad at this running thing. And then shortly after that, I, I joined the athletic club at Essendon and sort of, you know, got a coach and sort of went from there and got to run, you know, at nationals and things like that all through school, which was pretty cool. And I think some of the funnest parts of high school were, you know, going away to national cross country and like the friends I made on those trips are some of my like closest friends today you know we still hang out a fair bit and I think that's really cool those friendships through sport that are just super special
0: oh that's so lovely
1: yeah one of the coolest things actually this is kind of mildly off topic but we had 15 girls on our Victorian cross-country team that one in grade six And we had five in Tokyo at the Olympics out of 15 in that same group from that same group of 15 girls stop oh I know I was the only one running two cycling and two playing basketball. That is
0: amazing.
1: I know. Like what a stat. What a <laughs> stat. What Represent.
0: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I know, it was worth the tangent. <laughs> <laughs> I always think though, this is why I love going through people's whole pathway or path Like not just the chapter we walk into in your life now where, you know, you know, you're a 1500 runner. You've got really clear goals, your PBs and accolades are all over the place. Like it's you know, no one is an overnight success. Like it has taken you back since cross country with that group of girls in grade six, and like you know, there's so many different seeds along the way that are planted to get you to where you are now. And I find it so interesting to go through all these chapters and connect all the dots, and then you know, trace them to where you are now. So that's amazing. Yeah, I know it's so cool. Yeah, so
1: I was you know ran ran pretty well through high school. You know, made nationals, things like that. I was really good at coming oh. second, which was really frustrating.
0: Oh, the bridesmaid. <laughs> I know. it was
1: always really close. It was so annoying. But I'm definitely very stubborn and persistent. I don't know, it depends how nicely you want to frame it. So yes, just kind of kept showing up. And eventually, I think in year 11, I finally won a national championship, which was really cool. But the girl that was always beating me was injured, so she wasn't there. So it wasn't quite as satisfying. I just really wanted to
0: beat her because I never did. Oh, but it's it's just what you how you perform on the day, right? Like you know that guy in the was it the speed skating yeah, exactly. where everyone else in front of him fell over? I'm like, he still won on the day. Exactly, he still won on can the day. Race who shows up. <laughs> exactly, right?
1: <laughs> and then kind of like late high school, I think like a lot of girls, I sort of really like plateaued. I mean, you know, you're going through so much development, and you kind of, you know, before that, you were essentially you know the same as the boys, and then things start to change, and it's harder to improve. <laughs> because, You know, when you are pretty good as a junior, you set the bar pretty high. So I definitely really plateaued kind of through late high school and obviously, you know, you're doing BCE and things like that. So you've got other stresses in your life and you're trying to be a 17, 18-year-old and, you know, have fun with your friends as well. It was probably the only time I kind of thought about not running was probably sort of around year 11, year 12. Right. And then, as I said, pretty stubborn, pretty persistent. I was like, I've committed far too much of my life to this already. I've got to see this through. (laughs) And then after doing... Or maybe a year and a half of uni at Melbourne Uni I was like you know what this isn't that much fun I don't really love like chemistry things like that I wasn't quite studying what I wanted to it was a little bit of a like you know pathways sort of course I wasn't loving running sort of found myself without a coach because my coach moved interstate and so I decided to go to American College and run in the NCAA system which I think was like probably one of the best decisions I ever made I had like not only did I, like get to travel got my university undergrad paid for made so many amazing (laughs) friends and you know got to live overseas for four years which is really cool
0: and in florida of all places right like not just overseas (laughs) but like at fsu yeah amazing it was a
1: pretty cool place to go like we had great weather year-round great running you know had a great group of girls to run with you know every day it was amazing like it was just like Handed to you on a plate. It was like, here you go, go be the best you can because here is everything you need. I sort of feel like it was the closest thing to sort of being a professional athlete without actually being one, which I think was probably that like push I needed to get to that next level because I was surrounded by, you know, so many driven women who just wanted to be the best and get the most out of them. And, you know, you kind of had no choice but to go along for the ride. And, you know, by the end of sort of college, I was like, I finished in 2015. So the next year was an Olympic year. So I was kind of like, Ooh, Rio Olympics, hey, which (laughs) I've been pretty obsessed with since I was little, like Sydney Olympics. I was in grade three. So it was like prime impressionable age. And I was obsessed. I still have this box that I like decorated with like my own drawings of
0: like the mascots and like, oh my god, the cauldron and things like that. Was it Harvey Millie and Ollie or something? No, Sid, 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 Sid Ollie, Millie, and and Millie, Millie and Ollie. Yeah, yeah. And like, oh, Millennium Olympics. Oh my god, exactly. And who is Harvey?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he designed
0: them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was like obsessed with the
1: Olympics. So it was it was pretty cool to finally like be in a position where I was kind of within a, a sniff of of maybe qualifying. Yeah. So the next year, I guess like things happen in Olympic years like you see it every year like people just come out of the woodwork and have incredible years because that's the magic of the Olympics really and yeah I improved like nine seconds that year and ended up making it to Rio and came 13th so I was that painful like first person to miss the final by point
0: zero two three of a second
1: and it was like such a like happy sad moment because obviously like <laughs> I'd achieved so much more than I expected that year and, you know, made my first Australian team, gone to the Olympics, but, you know, you always want more as an athlete and I think, mm. you know, we're all pretty guilty of that, of, you know, always wanting wanting more, wanting to to do more and I think that's why we keep coming back the next year because, you know, you, you want to better yourself and you want to, you know, chase those medals and, and things like that.
0: Oh, my gosh. I love you. are such an amazing example of just pure dedication to a goal and I love the idea that I think sometimes like not necessarily in the sporting or athletic context where it's quite measurable something I always talk about on the show is the idea that your why once you find it that stays the same but your how. That has to change along the way through different chapters and your how when you were in Melbourne, starting at Melbourne Uni, like that wasn't necessarily the right how for you. It took a big shift in environment, a completely sideways sort of, not really sideways, but, you know, big shift to a different country to do college somewhere else and study something different and then come back. Like I love the idea that your goal has never wavered, but the way that you kind of made it there and made it work for you. Has had to change along the way. And it's so interesting. I find that just so fascinating the way people find and keep their motivation as you build up to something? Because again, like an Olympics is only every four years or five five. kind of this year. Or three next time. Yeah, or or three. (laughs) (laughs) But you have to stay focused. Like you can't wake up and go to the Olympics. You know, you have to be patient while you make your way to these goals. And that's also something I find really interesting. Like how has your last five years been? Like once you did get that pinnacle, like how did you stay patient just waiting for Tokyo?
1: Well, I guess like, you know, we
0: get the... I know, somewhat of
1: attention every four years for the olympics but you know there's still plenty happening in those in between years i guess in the athletics world so you've always got goals along the way it's not you know i think if you measured your entire career on the olympics which is obviously huge you're kind of setting yourself up a little bit for desa- not necessarily disaster but if you know mm. that one race every four years something goes wrong you know you get sick you get tripped you know, you kind of want other things like you've got your World Championships, which are on alternate years for us. We have obviously have Commonwealth Games, which we'll have next year, which is you know good to have those sort of the goals in between. And you know, it's not quite the Olympic Games, but you know, you still got just amazing quality of competition. And yeah, it probably doesn't get, uh, I guess, quite as as noticed outside of the athletics world. Mm. But I think you know they're really good to have in between and really good to you know track your progress and see where you're sitting with all of the other girls and. Yeah, I think I got not lucky. I think I um, things worked out really well that I had a really great year in the Olympic year, you know, from an injury perspective, but you know, so much of that was down to, you know, so much of the planning by my coaches and support staff and you know, just the support network that I have and just making sure everything was as perfect and smooth as it could possibly be. And I think you know, for such an individual sport, that team you surround yourself with is is so important mm. because you do spend a lot of time on your own and things like that so to have those really great you know supports around you is is really important and other people making decisions you know sometimes you get so caught up in the emotion of it all because you know you ask everyone is so passionate about it you put so much into it that sometimes having that person to be like no bad idea you will get injured if you go and do that or like you can't do five races in one week that's a terrible idea you know maybe not quite that extreme but you know, it's really good to have those sort of people to you know, keep you in check as well.
0: And then, oh my gosh, you got to Tokyo and you improved your time from the heats to the semis and then to the finals every time got faster to run your PV to come sixth in an Olympic final. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Congratulations. Has it settled in yet? How are you feeling? Yeah, I
1: definitely had to watch the race back a couple of times just to sort of digest it <sighs> and of break it down a little bit and just kind of you know let it all register but I think what was really different for me this year going into the you know major championship of the year uh, was just I had so, so much more confidence and just a real kind of I guess sense of belonging in that race I think you know obviously you roll up to the Olympics and you're like or, or championships and you're like I want to make the final because that's what you want to do you know that's that's the aim of the task but I think previously I'd lined up being like, I wish I make the final. I want, you know, whereas this year it was like, no, you've done all the work, like yeah, everything's yeah. been, gone really well, like you should and will make the final because you, you know, you've done everything to be there. You've run as fast as these other girls. Whereas I think other years I've come in being like, oh, maybe if like everything goes right and maybe like <laughs> a couple of other people have bad races and like maybe I get really lucky I might get the last spot in the final and that would be great. Mm. But this year, like, it was just such a different mindset and it was just so powerful to line up and feel like that. I think the heats, I was so nervous, but it was the heats. And because of the COVID pandemic, obviously, we haven't – had raced overseas for almost two years. So wow. it was, you know, just lining up with other, you know, women of that level was, you know, a little bit like, ooh,
0: people, whereas <laughs> – <laughs> yeah. you know we, humans. Yeah, social distance, yeah, mate. Like, guys. <laughs> don't be that close to me. They should have extended the lanes.
1: <laughs> exactly. So, like, I think that was like, oh my gosh, other people in the race, other people in the track. Like, you know, I was so stressed about getting tripped up or something because our races in Australia are a lot, lot smaller, especially on the girls' side. You know, we don't have that same depth, and we don't have, you know, twelve girls within like three seconds of each other or something. You know, it's a bit more spread out. So you get a bit more room on the track. So that was like the biggest thing I was scared about going in almost was just like people. <laughs> um, and <laughs> So, yeah, by the time we got to the semi-final round, I was like, okay, like I know what I'm doing now. Like we're right at home. And I was just, yeah, felt so much more confident and so much more settled lining up for that race. And then, yeah, carried that through to the final. I actually said I like got progressively less nervous. Wow. As we went through the rounds. I mean, I was pretty nervous still by the final and I think we had like a really long call room beforehand where they you know organize you beforehand and you know get your numbers and things like that and we were waiting just just at the edge of the track under the stands and um, the women's 400 was right before us and obviously everyone like I feel like no one missed like you know how amazing Alison Felix was and she kind of you know obviously ran incredible and needed to sort of just lie in a heap and die and she kind of came and laid like <laughs> right in our core room area like wrapped in an American flag just like dead on the ground and I was like all right that's that's pretty cool and then um, yeah. <laughs> we had the women's jav going on at the same time and we had three girls in that final and they had the tv showing that like in this area and they just she showed Kelsey our Australian athlete who ended up winning the bronze medal you know through her medal winning throw and I was like Oh my God, there is no shortage of inspiration, like, just right here. And that was, like, so cool to have, you know, those two athletes just do amazing things sort of right then and there. It was such a great, like, unintentional fire up. I was like, yeah. okay, like, <laughs> this is legit. Like, we're at the Olympics.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. How exciting. Oh, you just must – feel so proud and like all of us feel so proud for you. What an amazing achievement. Yeah, thank you.
1: It's so fun to talk about because I feel like I get to almost like live it all again.
0: (laughs) Well, I like feel like it's it's such a privilege to get to sit down with Olympians and talk about it because you almost like – you sort of see it and you get really caught up in the emotion, but then hearing about what it felt like on the ground is like triple goosebumps. It's just so exciting to hear what it felt like for you and also to look at you and know that you're reflecting. Like often it is the, the first or second time you've really thought about it with some distance and perspective as well. Like that actually happened to me. What? Yeah. Sometimes you kind of do have to sort of take that step back and kind of be like,
1: that's pretty cool. You know, I think, Yeah. I think it's you know, you're always... Wanting more, wanting to achieve the next goal, and so it's so easy to you know finish a championship and be like, okay, next time I want to do this, I want to do that, and you start immediately moving on to how am I going to do that, why I'm going to do that. But I think you know it's so valuable, and I've sort of actually read a newspaper article before the Olympics were originally meant to be that was had a bunch of quotes from from Ian Thorpe about how you know he'd sort of been a bit like that in his career in terms of not really celebrating some of the successes when they happened, and I think yeah. I sort of look back on my sort of last few years you know since the last Olympics and I was like you know what I was really quick to move on and I just wanted to do more yeah. so this year I sort of tried really hard to kind of stop and celebrate and and soak it all up and you know share it with the people who have been so important to getting me to that start line or getting to that finish line you know my my friends my family my you know coaches and, and training partners and things like that and just really acknowledge I guess not only their contribution but to sort of to share that success that we were all a part of. And, yeah, I think it just, you know, makes you really appreciate all of the work that you put in to achieve a goal rather than being like, all right, what's next? I mean, obviously you need to totally. need to do that as well, but I think kind of having that pause and before moving on has been really important and I- yeah, I feel like I did a much better job of that this year. And you know, it was it was kind of cool to be able to reflect.
0: You actually did a really lovely post on that a little while ago, like maybe six or seven posts back. I saw that you did take like a real moment to reflect on what you'd achieved and, and list the things, which often feels really awkward to sort of list your achievements over the year, but to stop and reflect on them, like that's a big part of CZA. What is the point in achieving your goals if you're just going to start chasing the next one straight away after and never let it settle. So I love that idea of taking a moment to celebrate and really reflect on your achievements. We have so many questions from people who have been incredibly inspired by you, who are so excited about running, but who really just don't know where to start or who don't have the coaches or the team or the background years and years of running behind them like you do. So I'm very, very grateful to have you here to pick your brains today from a practical standpoint. The first thing I'd love to ask you about, particularly in the context of how well you've done recently and how much you've increased your speed over the last couple of years, is just that. How do you increase your time? I think that's the question I got asked the most when I announced that we were going to do this. And I know that for a lot of people that was in the context of a half marathon or a much longer distance. But even the fact that you mentioned how varied your distances have to be for a 1500, how do you work? You said speed work before. What is speed work for you? How do you actually think that people can break through those plateaus they might have hit?
1: Well, I think, you know, having consistency and not having injuries and staying healthy is is obviously like your first step. You know, you can't sort of jump to the next one before you've kind of got a solid standing on that first, you know, you can't, like, I guess even just right now in my sort of return to running, I've spent the last two weeks just just doing jogs and haven't done a whole lot, any any harder or faster and just kind of, you know, remembering how to run, letting my muscles adapt. And so that, you know, I'm not going to risk getting injured by just jumping straight in, (laughs) I guess. So it's almost, yeah, we like to really work back from, you know, that most important race. So obviously that was the Olympics last year and kind of being like, all right, like, this is where we need to be. And then kind of working backwards from sort of that race day, you know, to build up that, that consistency and kind of, I guess, the closer we get to race day. Typically, a lot of the, the running gets shorter and faster because, you know, you're really trying to sharpen up. I guess it's pretty different to those people running a, a marathon and a half marathon to, to a 1500, that's for sure. But, you know, you do want to sort of be a bit fresher and faster come race day. So I guess, yeah, that sort of longer Less fun, in my opinion. Training is definitely going to come earlier, and that's kind of what's coming for us in the next few weeks. But I think being able to improve, you need to, I guess, like we were saying before, is not just keep doing the same thing. You know, have that variety in your training and have different distances and different intervals or things like that, and mix it up with, you know, some hill running or some you know running on different surfaces and changing it up to you know keep challenging yourself in different ways you know obviously probably not throwing a thousand new things at yourself in a week but you know picking you know maybe one thing a week to to challenge yourself on and maybe that's you know doing a hilly run one day a week rather than running around a flat course every week or something or maybe it's running 10 minutes longer or you know if you've got a watch that tracks your your pace it's you know maybe running for the last five minutes of your run a little bit faster or something like that oh. and just finding you know little new ways to I guess to challenge yourself and slowly creep it up and you know definitely not throwing it all at yourself in one go I think it's it's very much a as you know a tiered approach and you know add one new thing and kind of you know let yourself adjust to it I guess you know it's going to make you sore probably as I'm finding out yeah. in my return to run and gym like things <laughs> like that and you know wait till you sort of feel like you've got on top of that and you're not like don't feel like you've been hit by a bus the next day and then you know <laughs> when you feel confident with that you know then maybe you can try another way to challenge yourself and I think sometimes we're having you know maybe a training partner or something is really good because you can kind of push each other sometimes you know if you're going out for a run on your own it's like ah, oh, I was gonna go do that you know hilly run today but you know bit tired but you know if you've already told your friend oh hey we're gonna go run at whatever park and there's hills there you're like oh well better go (laughs) (laughs) i think you know having that accountability when you're you know trying new things or things that are hard is is really cool and then you know, you kind of get to celebrate at the end, you know, high five and things
0: like that. And it's, you know, kind of fun just to to achieve it together. I think that makes it more fun. So are hills, hilly runs important for because you, like a track is flat, obviously. So for speed work, do you make sure to include different kind of like gradients in running as well as just intervals of different speeds within a flat surface?
1: Yeah, we definitely do some hill sprints and things like that. They're really, I guess... They're not much fun. I don't love them. I complain a lot.
0: (laughs) Obviously, they're good for you, though. I know, (laughs) like vegetables. Yeah,
1: (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, it's probably something we do further away from racing. I guess you know. I often pull out pretty sore, so I like to do. Well, I get told to do that a lot further away when we're in more of a preparation phase than sort of a competition phase. That's for sure because yeah, it's a different way to challenge yourself, I guess, and so you're using different muscles and and things like that. So I'm gonna get stronger. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, I think that's really good advice because I often just do the same texture, like the same yeah. kind of ground. And just vary the distance and then I'm like, why am I getting faster in each of these distances? But it's probably because it's not varied at all. I just do the same thing but change how, go- how far I'm going and then wonder why I'm not getting faster. But I think, yeah, varying that up just so your legs can kind of get used to it is something definitely to integrate into your routine. What about, you mentioned before about injury. And I think that's another reason why, like remembering non-runner me, yeah. I used to, start running. Did I wouldn't do a warm up. I wouldn't do a warm down. I would just go from zero to hero and then I'd be so sore. And then that would fuel my you know, belief that I hated running, but it was only because I wasn't doing it properly. What about, I mean, a big part of today's topic is replenishing and recharging. How do you warm up properly and how do you warm down properly? Like what actual exercises do you do? How long do you put into that? Yeah. Well, that sort of normal warm up, warm down is, is usually just an easy jog. And then obviously with some sort
1: of dynamic drills and stretching and and things like that which yeah definitely to to sort of get you going and you know sometimes there's a few extra bits and pieces that might have come from physio if you know you've had a problem with something and just keeping on top of all those little things and looking after yourself in between so that you know you're showing up for the next run and you're not you know, in the worst state possible, I guess, you know, trying to help yourself a little bit as easy as is just to be like, oh, I'm done, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know everyone's busy and you're trying to squeeze, you know, run in here and there, so sometimes you are a bit, you know, go, go, go. But, yes, yeah, sort of probably taking the time to, you know, make sure you do, do a warm down or getting an- enough food into you and the right foods into you and you know in summer especially you know as we're coming into you know keeping hydrated and getting enough sleep I think sleep is is pretty undervalued Mm -hmm. as a recovery tool I think it's you know we're so busy and distracted these days as well like it's easy like the amount of times it's so easy and you're like oh my gosh it's like 11 o'clock you know you just get caught up watching squid games or something Um, (laughs) (laughs) which was us last night and you're like oh my gosh oh so I think just like having routines is really good to you know, once you make something a habit around your recovery and, and things like that, it's it's so much easier. It's less of a, a chore, you can't just do it without thinking. You're like, Yep, yeah, okay, finish my my run, my gym session, gonna have this snack in the car on the way to, you know, work or something. Yeah. And things like that.
0: Yeah. I found that I remember to warm up and do some like calf stretches and quads and just like really quick sort of simple leg stretches but warming down is something you just forget because you're kind of like oh well, I've done it you know tick and you just want to rush off to the next thing but if you go and sit down straight away and then like an hour later try and stand up oh my and like oh that's why people warm down <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what do you actually do as a warm down like what what exercises or do you do you walk it off like what kind of advice do you have to people who don't actually know what a warm down is
1: yeah so if we've been doing a track session or some harder running we'll just do like an easy jog. for me that's 15 minutes but you know that's all sort of in in context of my overall training I guess you know if it's five minutes because your session was 10 minutes you know that that makes sense as well and that 15 minutes is like as slow as it needs to be on that day and it's probably the slowest running I do for the week and it's often the first few minutes are the worst like and kind of once you get that hard running out of your legs a little bit you kind of almost flush it out and you know, the last few minutes you're like, okay, yes, that was a good idea. Like I needed that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, often, you know, if you're training with someone else that first five minutes, it's kind of like, okay, no one talk. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, no, no words. <laughs> no, I cannot yeah,
1: Exactly. <laughs> so uh, it's kind of like, yeah, it's like, you know, when you get in the beach and it's really cold and that first few minutes you're like, oh, it's so freezing. And then after a few minutes you're like, oh yeah, this is pretty good. This is nice. It's kind of that same, like, you know, get through the first little bit when you're really tired and then you kind of come good and you adjust and you kind of flush it out of your legs and you definitely feel better for it the next day. But at the time you're like, oh, my God, this is the longest, like 3Ks of my
0: life. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that 3Ks is your warm down. (laughs) (laughs) Do you do the same on like a long run day? So on your Sunday long runs, at the end of the run, what would you normally do?
1: I'll often just do some like sort of dynamic drills. So not necessarily like sort of some static stretches, but sort of, yeah, a few sort of, I guess like walking lunge stretches and a few sort of things like that, I guess, just to, I don't know, it sort of depends what's sore and cranky as to sort of probably what gets more attention but for example I find my hips get really tired after a long run just you know fatigued so yeah a lot of kind of like sort of lungy stretches you know your arms over your your head and twisting and kind of just trying to.
0: (laughs) I love the (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: just kind of yeah trying to free up sort of that sort of movement through my hips and sort of some like leg Mm. swings and things like that just to kind of try and loosen up the sort of hips and back and things like that That for me tends to get a little bit cranky after those longer runs
0: and are you like are you a bath person or are you a going to the ocean for the cold person like is it hot recovery cold recovery what do you think is best for the legs Ooh, it
1: depends what you've got access to like we don't have a bath at home so it's very
0: <gasps> oh my god anyway, <laughs>
1: Uh, hopefully in our next place we will Um, but right now we don't but we we live pretty close to the beach so yeah sometimes I do head down there after after training especially in summer when it's kind of hot and refreshing as well (laughs) but yeah definitely when I know I've got a session that's really going to challenge me and maybe I've got a race coming up and I want to make sure I'm recovering well I will will use the ice baths or like the hot and cold pools Which is not like my favorite activity, but another one of those kind of like bite the bullet. I know this is good for me scenarios. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah, I, you know, you always do feel a little bit a little bit better for it. But yeah, I know, yeah. do kind of spend a bit of time in compression socks and things. My like my calves tend to get pretty cranky, and yeah, I've had some injuries with those in the past, so I like to try and uh, baby those a little bit. And yeah, so I think it's just finding yeah the things on that for you get sore and tired or the things that might have been injuries in the past and finding those little things that, that make them feel better or recover better, you know, it might just be foam rolling or a spiky ball or yoga or something like that. You know, there's everyone's got different ways of, of making their bodies feel good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> now, drawing on your dietetics qualifications, this is something that, again, along with speed, has been the most common question and also something that I worry about a lot. Refueling after a run, but also fueling before a run. I discovered the other day, I tried to go for a run before breakfast because I thought then my stomach wouldn't, I wouldn't have to wait for the food to settle and it just avoid that whole thing. But I just didn't have enough energy. Like I, I figured out I'm an afternoon runner, but the kind of question that came up a lot was and this is like maybe not for a 1500 runner but just from your dietetics background people are like how do you fuel up before a longer run and are you meant to fuel during the run you know are you supposed to not eat so that your stomach doesn't you know, get all upset. And also, how do you run and hydrate without getting a stitch? Like these dietetics questions, I was like, oh my God, Linda, <laughs> help. <laughs> so talk us through running nutrition. Yeah. All
1: right. Well, yeah, like you said, you definitely want some fuel in the tank, especially for those, those longer runs. So the things that are going to give our muscles, the most fuel, the, the fuel we're actually going to use on that run is, you know, our, our carbohydrates. And the, I guess the simpler that form of carbohydrate is, the easier it is for us to digest and the quicker that energy will get to our muscles. So, you know, your really quick carbohydrates are like your Gatorade, your, you know, white bread, a banana, like lollies, things like that. Oh my
0: God. I thought this was all just like us justifying ourselves having like carb loading, but I'm so glad you're confirming it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Carbs aren't like essential. So yeah, if you're sort of getting up and running or you know, running in the afternoon, it's those sort of simpler carbohydrates are the ones you want to be getting in in that sort of, you know, hour, two hours before they're, they're typically going to sit a little bit better. And I think sometimes if you do struggle to digest them, sometimes things that are in a liquid form sit a bit better with a lot of people. So just, you know, I guess it's just absorbed a little easier, a little quicker, a little easier on the gut. And then, yeah, I guess if you're actually going in to do, you know, like a really long run or something, it's, you know, I'm sure people are, if they're preparing to run a half marathon or a marathon, yeah, you definitely want to be taking on some fuel, you know, beyond that kind of hour and a half sort of marker of time. And whether that's gels, Gatorade, lollies, all sorts of things, you know, I think everyone has different things that they like or convenient to carry or things like that. Or, if you know, if you're going to run back by where you've parked your car or something, you can kind of have a quick stop off Mm. or, you know, if you've got a cram a gel in your sports bra or something like that. It's, you know, Hot. working out that works Hot. for you. Yeah. <laughs> but I think what's really cool about that is it gives you, you know, if you are going to go and run a marathon, you definitely want to be practicing what nutrition you're going to take on in your marathon, in your training. You know,
0: we don't want to be trying new things on race day. I've had an awkward toilet moment because I tried something the first day on a race day and <laughs> I'm <laughs> never doing that exactly. again. <laughs> so is that a thing, like you have to – train your body, including your bladder and bowels to cope with things along the run? Because I, in my mind, I was always like, I will try and not eat before and then not eat during so that my body just doesn't get confused with like putting extra stuff in it. But is that totally the wrong thing to do? Because then you just don't have the fuel. Yeah, definitely.
1: Like the more you practice, you know, taking on any kind of fuel, you know, mid run, while you're running, you know, the more tolerance you're going to get. You're kind of training your gut in a way to, to take on that fuel, to use that fuel, and it's, you know, less likely to cause an, cause an upset hopefully. So, yeah, definitely something you want to be practising in your training. That's Yeah, that's for sure. And, you know, finding, you know, different people, different brands of products, you know, work better for others or different, you know, sort of you've got gels, you've got drinks, you've got like lollies and chews and bars and, you know, there's so many different forms of getting that nutrition in, that it's, you know, really important to be find what works best for you from a practicality, you know, standpoint, as well as, you know, taste, digestion and, you know, what sits best. Yeah. So definitely practicing these things before race day is like the golden rule of of nutrition I feel like from you know running a marathon perspective
0: and that is so interesting that you mentioned about the hour and a half mark like that that's about where you should start because I wouldn't even know I'm like I'd just eat all my gels straight away and then be like oh I've got none left (laughs) you can definitely take them
1: on earlier and you know people definitely tend to but I guess you're not going to sort of start running out until that point I guess in terms of what you've got on board from you know your breakfast or your dinner the night before and
0: things like that. Yeah, so what then should you eat like the night before and then what should you eat straight after? Because that's another thing that I always like. It's so easy because sometimes after you finish running you feel sick. I often feel a little bit, not really sick, but just a bit nauseous and not super hungry But I know that like for your muscles to recover from a long run, it's important to just push through that feeling and actually put something in your body. So what should you be eating straight after a run?
1: Yeah, for sure. So in our recovery, we want carbohydrates because we want to replace the carbohydrates that we've just used. We want some protein because that's going to obviously help repair our muscle damage that we might have done and help us get stronger again. And carbs and protein work pretty well together. So they work better in a pair rather than separately. And then we want to rehydrate as well because we've obviously been sweating and things a lot. So they're sort of our three goals, I guess. And I think it's about, you know, when we are feeling a bit nauseous or we've run really hard and it's getting something in and then maybe getting something of better quality and maybe when you've sort of settled down. So that's something, you know, might just be Gatorade or something because that's going to give you some carbohydrates and some hydration and, and then, you know, you might settle down your stomach a little bit later and be able to have, you know, some yogurt or a smoothie or, or something something like that that's maybe not quite as palatable in the like immediately after finishing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then obviously working out what's like practical if you're, you know, out and about in the summer and you've driven 30 minutes to somewhere that you've run or something, you know, what's going to stay food safe in the car for,
0: for that time while you're running <laughs> you, you don't want salmonella exactly. in the middle
1: of a run <laughs> yeah just I think there's a lot of planning to make sure you know you're packing snacks or you know that like oh yeah as soon as I'm done there's like calls around the corner and I can go there and pick up whatever snack you like to have so I think like the worst thing for me is getting caught without snacks.
0: <laughs> I hate being caught without I snacks, know. whether I'm running or not. Exactly. So
1: um, <laughs> yeah, I think planning, planning is key for that recovery to know that, you, you know, you've got something there. I'm a huge fan of a, an up and go because it kind of ticks all of those boxes. And in summer, I like chuck them in the freezer. And then by the time I'm done running, it's still cold, but defrosted. Oh, that's a great tip. Yeah, super handy because it's got... Uh, It's obviously a liquid so it's got a rehydration element but it's also got some carbs and protein from the milk and the flavouring and and things like that. So a bit of a like all-in-one kind of tides me over to I get home and then I'll get home and have, you know, breakfast or dinner or lunch, whatever time of day it is.
0: And the night before, when I'm running a long run and I'm like, the night before I'm just going to go for like, a massive bowl of pasta or something. Is that actually what you should be doing? Like, are you actually carb loading from the night before a
1: long run? I mean, if you're running to a point where you think you're going to, like, use all of those carbohydrates. So yeah, like, if you're going to go for a two hour run, you definitely want to yeah put a bit of attention on, you know, having a few more carbs the night before. Because that way, I guess
0: you're waking up and your fuel tank is already full. Well, Lyndon, that was such useful information. I honestly was just like stabbing in the wind, making random guesses about carb loading and when to eat. And and I obviously now understand that trying to run without any fuel is such a bad idea. So I'm so glad that I understand why that was not going down too well for me. Thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom and knowledge and beautiful story. It's been so, so lovely to have you today. Last question for you. What's your favourite quote? All right. It
1: sounds a bit silly, but my favorite is, we're going to go back to a bit of Toy Story here. <gasps> yes. My favorite pre-race, I guess is probably where it came from, is just Run Like the Wind Bullseye. I love it. Which kind of just started because it's like a little joke with my mom and I when I was a kid. And then, you know, we kind of just kept it going. And, you know, even before the Olympics, she'll text me and be like, Run Like the Wind Bullseye. And it just like makes me happy. It's a bit funny. It's a bit cute. It relaxes me. And it's about running kind
0: of. <laughs> oh my gosh i love it so much and i love that it's like that little injection of like not taking it too seriously but you are taking it seriously it's a bit of fun it's like very cca i love it so much <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, that's my fun, favorite one. Oh, well thank you so much for joining lyndon it is just such a pleasure and i know so many people listening will have gained so much from this today yeah oh, thanks so much for the chat it was so fun Another wonderful episode jam-packed with nuggets of wisdom that I hope you all found as useful as I have in the lead-up to Melbourne Marathon and beyond. If you are running in Melbourne Marathon, please let us know. I'd love to look out for you on the day and hear any of your training takeaways from these chats. It's so exciting for our guests and these wonderful athletes to see how you've been implementing things that they might have shared and, yeah, watch you guys getting excited about the sport. As always, I would love you in the neighbourhood to share the episode if you enjoyed listening, tag all of us at linden.hall, at Nike Running and at Rebel Sport so that we can keep growing the neighbourhood as far and wide as possible and hopefully accessing a lot of other potential or aspiring or even already pro runners. I hope this is helping you all embrace that and motivating you to achieve your running potential. Thank you so much to Nike and Rebel for making this mini series possible and hopefully we can bring you many more in the future. Hope you guys are all having a great week and seizing your yay.